Blog Talk Radio. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Come on, party people, get down, get in the groove. Burn, remix, up, oh, gonna make you move. Ripping microphones is a habit, I got the fetish. Cooling in the crib with the brutes. It does run the fucking clouds. Giving you something that you can bounce to. Surround sound, tailor made the plan. LOR2 work. LORD with militia. Coming to get you a vivid 3D picture. DEV, Mr. Tan. Had my girl the mic, Miss Toy ripped the chip. Broadcast live and heard around the world. You are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. It's the high stakes fantasy football hour presented by myffpc.com with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for football analysis from the best fantasy players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Balkman and Dave Gerzak. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this June 12th episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com live from the Gatorade Studios. Support for the show is also provided in part by Castrol GTX. Castrol GTX, double action formula, cleans away old sludge while protecting against new sludge formation better than tough industry standards. For more information, visit Castrol.com. That's Castrol GTX, the official motor oil of the NFL. Greetings and salutations to all the Balkaholics listening in the chat room and around the world. I'm your slightly above-average host, Eric Balkman, and my usual co-host, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak, has the night off. Uh, so I'm very excited to introduce my co-host tonight. He's a longtime FFPC main event and dynasty player, the 2011 Pros versus Joes runner-up. Please welcome into the show... Mr. Lance, sports betting man, Turbez. What's up, man? How are you tonight? How's it going, Bucky? Good, excellent. Really happy to be here. Uh, we're very excited to have you because you're you're sort of everybody, you've never been on the show before, but everybody who listens to this show is well aware of you because you're always commenting in the chat. We always bring you up, and now we get to hear your voice live on the air tonight. It is going to be a treat for me and everybody else. I know that. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, I, got the, I got the voice for TV. well coming up on tonight's show lance that that voice of yours is going to discuss with me how the plumber hamster is changing the adp for his arizona cardinals teammate what player is making his team's beat writers bark like a dog and what quarterback might be making his skill position teammates in the afc east avoidable in ffpc drafts i want to shout out to the uh, chat room right now two backer brothers mayhem henry mudo house of cards wiggy and I am RDMW, whoever that is, I'm not sure. Uh, welcome in. Uh, if you guys have any questions for myself or for Lance, you can uh, post them right in there. You can connect with us on Twitter as well at HSFF Hour, at uh, Eric Balkman, at Sport Betting Man on Twitter as well. That's where Lance is. Uh, you can post on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the high stakes fantasy football hour. If you want to talk with us tonight, give us a call at 347 426 3682. 347 game over. You can also email the show at the FedEx inbox at high stakes fantasy football at gmail.com. Uh, if you have those questions, get them to us now. Our producer, mutual friend Rob, and our audio engineer Bryce will get those to me as we move on through the show tonight. Uh, I want to remind everybody that the Football Guys Players Championship is uh, taking teams right now. We kick off July 5th for the first draft, but you don't have to wait till then to sign up. You can sign up right now. 
Find uh, the draft date and time that works out for you at myffpc.com. Also got a lot of great satellite leagues going on with DEs, classics, both live and slow. A lot of different options if you want to get in the action right now at myffpc.com. I also want to thank Dave Gerzak and Ron Meyer for holding down the fort in my stead last week. Great show, gentlemen. Very enjoyable to listen to. And Lance, I got to tell you, I'm equal parts excited but I'm a little scared tonight because normally I tease and Rob teases on Twitter and Facebook what we're going to talk about. But honestly, there's a lot of topics that, that we have tonight that we may not get to. And we might we might get to some whole other topics tonight that we didn't even talk about beforehand because you're on. And I'm excited and I'm scared because I don't know what's going to happen tonight. Well, I'd like to find out if uh, Rob and Brian are like uh, not some <laughs> ASI program. We got to get their voices on the on the show once in a while just to just to prove you know, that normally, they're human. <laughs> yeah. You know, normally we've had we've had Rob uh, in studio before, uh, like actually in front of the mic, but he refused oh, nice. to talk. He, he actually ah. plays. He plays uh, in. Um, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but it's one of the FFPC five hundred. Uh, Dino leagues. He actually plays in that, so he is a real person. He's not a bot. And you're, Lance, you're not the first one to come up with that. And Bryce, actually, for anybody who knows, he is. Uh, he's also commissions a bunch of drafts as well. Uh, so he is. Well, I guess he could be a robot commissioner. That wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But they're real people. We'll get them on. We got to get them on. Get get their yeah, opinions. Or so with, are they knows. all from Wisconsin too? Well, Bryce is originally, I believe Bryce is originally from New Zealand. Uh, Rob is oh, from wow. Wisconsin. We, we all live in Wisconsin now. Wow, Killer. Lance, let's, uh, before we get to fantasy, uh, everybody wants to know more about you. Tell tell everybody when you're not playing fantasy football what you do for a living. I run my own business. I got a, a trailer pump uh, for pumping concrete, and uh, it's called Lucky Lance Concrete Pumping in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's a nice, nice, nice little niche job. Like really lucky to, Lance. Uh, yeah, you don't have to. You don't have to. You're not responsible for the finished product or the product itself. You just push it and leave. <laughs> and it's like you're in and out in a couple hours, and you can be home. You know, literally in like three hours, and you get paid almost enough for like a full day. Kind of nice. Lance, you are you're definitely living the dream. I'm officially jealous now. Yeah, I've been like uh, semi-retired for like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, not quite, not quite eight years ago, but four years ago, you were in the pros versus Joe's contest. And we've been talking about it a lot on the show because, um, you know, we have it coming up. We're going to be broadcasting all six of them, uh, on the high stakes fantasy football hour starting in uh, late July, but we've already shifted into PVJ mode. And you actually were the runner up in 2011. Uh, you finished second to sideline Sage by 1.15 points, yeah. which was That was brutal. Roger, Roger, Roger's a good guy to lose to, so that was cool. But, yeah, that was a brutal year. I mean, it was an ex- excellent year because uh, I think I had, I think I have the record for uh, most side bets in, in a free league. I think I had uh, 800 bucks I pulled in from just side bets. Uh, really good players were in my league, like Jules, you know, fantasy freaking football. She's like a SoCal girl, and – uh, Joe Conti, old school, was in that league, and uh, the, the infamous ranter Azuri was in it, and Scotty Atkins <laughs> was in it, and, and uh, even like the Fantasy Mojo, the founder of uh, Pros vs. Joe's, was in it. I got checks from all of them. <laughs> it was sweet. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. You, did, you, did you make any side bets with uh, Roger Gonzalez then? No, he was in. I didn't want to bet outside the league. I wanted to have a little bit of control. But yeah, that was. I, gotcha. I mean, yeah, that was that was a, a fun fun year. 
Well, how, I mean, I, I'm not going to ask you for any, you know, sort of player analysis and what you did as far as scouting. And um, I got lucky. You know, I got lucky with like three big hits. Uh, I think not, the ninth round, I picked uh, Rob Gronkowski's career year. I think he had like 90, 90 catches at a point and a half and like 1,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. And uh, I think Sproles was the guy I picked, I think. I, I looked it up just for the hell of it to remember in the 15th round, and he had 1,300 yards combined with, like, nine touchdowns. And then in the 19th round, I hit on Cam Newton's rookie year with, like, 4,000 yards, 21 touchdowns, and 700 yards rushing and wow. 14 touchdowns on the ground. So it was, like, those three were, like, the big boost. Everybody else was hit and miss. And I, I screwed up. I waited way too long to get kickers. So I ended up with uh, Josh Scobie, who missed three games. I had David Bueller, who had zero. <laughs> for the Dallas and the, I had Shane Graham. I think he played two games the whole year. So I was really with, it was all Scobie. And I mean, if I had one other kicker, I would have rolled the league, but I, I, I lost. That's my fault. Awesome. That well, I mean, well, I'm, but it sounded like you had a pretty good strategy going in. Has your strategy on DEs changed over the years? Or, you know, is basically the strategy you took in, in winning that uh, PBJ is that uh, basically the same strategy that you apply when you do draft experts leagues now? Yeah, you, I mean, you gotta just stack up the upside, guys. I mean, I don't. I usually in like uh, like main event FFPC. I don't. I don't like the one trick ponies. But in in those leagues, they're up for grabs. You can stack one trick ponies, and if you know if their weeks line up right, you can have either gigantic weeks or just steady production. You know, I I, I totally like. You know, that's a total switch for me. In 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 dynasty or like main event, I hate one trick ponies. But in those leagues, give me them all. Give give me like ten of them, and you know you're gonna get. You know, some of them are going to hit every week, or hopefully. It's, that's, and I, you know, that's, that's basically. I mean, I missed on Javid Best and uh, stuff like that. But I mean, it's just, it's just, you take the high upside. You got to beat a bunch of guys, and it's set it and forget it. So you don't, you don't want too many guys that are injury risk. But yeah, you can just stack up the guys with potential. Lance, you're you're a 49ers fan, and and I've been bringing this up on the show a lot, mostly because I'm nervous about uh, you know finally getting Carlos Hyde uh, as a starting running back on on my dynasty team this year, locked into my lineup every week. I'm nervous, man. Uh, they lose Ayuk yeah. the, the right tackle just retires, uh, and and now they're down another offensive lineman. They're going up against three really good defenses in their division. Um, new coach, I just. Boy, Plus, I, I could see that we got a bunch of players. Yeah, so they might be in pass I, mode, you know, the whole second half of games, as opposed to the you know pass where they were just grinding out wins. It sounds like you're saying I'm right to be scared because this could be a real thing this year for Hyde. Yeah, I mean Hyde looked good on. I mean, as as watching the TV games, and he looked like really good. But then you pull up his tests, and they weren't that good. They were like pretty good. And, uh, and then they added Mike Davis, and you're like, wow, this. Is he that good? He's just going to totally dominate Davis, or and also uh, Reggie Bush, or is he going to become a piece of like a, a the dreaded timeshare where you know Niners are historically kind of a one of the last guys to go three down back? So I don't I don't have as much faith in Hyde as I as I did, and even like in dynasty trading, you know you you'll find owners that are willing to let him go because they're kind of same like you. They feel that little bit of dread inside, like this isn't a guarantee. Yeah, and that's I am I'm so frustrated by it too. Um, but again, I'm I mean I'm I got him out there on the block, but I don't think anybody's gonna give me what I perceive as equal value for him right now. I'm I'm just hoping that he can outperform that or at least come close 
to what I expected this I, year I mean, just to give me. If he's going to be if he's going to be good, you'll either get your value by keeping him, or else he'll raise his own value in the preseason right. or whatever. But yeah, right now you might not want to sell him because he's yeah he doesn't have much perceived value from what I see either. I'd rather just hold him and let it let his value go up and hope it goes up. Yeah, that'd be the better Lance, strategy because. You- yeah, no, I, I I think that, and that's what I'm going to do. I mean, I, I I'm if somebody wants to wow me with a deal, I'll be wowed. That's fine, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take you know uh, less than full value for him right now because I, I he hasn't been the man yet. He's he's split that backfield, so I want to see uh, what happens when when they actually put the pads on and start playing for real. Um, when we start playing for real, uh, it's going to be the FFPC main event in uh, Las Vegas in early September, drafting at Caesars Palace. And one of the strategies that many people have taken to, especially last year, last year I think it was the most prevalent I've ever seen it, but the zero running back theorem where you basically start off your draft uh, with five non-running backs, uh, receivers, a quarterback, a tight end, whatever it is, but you're not taking your first running back until at least the sixth round. I don't know if you've ever tried it, Lance, um, but I, I'm guessing you probably have somewhat of an opinion uh, on uh, the zero RB theorem. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I just looked up because I'm in about eight uh, those little thirty-five dollar test leagues uh, with you guys, and and I I looked up uh, I think I had like seventy like maybe six out of the eight teams I had my first three picks or four picks or five picks were non-running backs. And so, I, I mean, I still look at my team, and it's like, I think the guys that the top five picks can carry the load, and you can get a bunch of, you know, timeshare guys like Gio Bernard or even, like, Duke Johnson or nobody likes Monty Ball right now, but I'll take him late, you know, and he, he sounds like he's fired up to get the job back. And Tevin Coleman, those are the guys I've been hitting on. I mean, I mean, David Johnson, too. I think he's going to steal that job eventually. So there's 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 talented running backs you can get from the fifth round and all the way into the like, you know, eleventh round. I've been getting like David Johnson. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be amazing, but I like his upside and he's I think he's more talented than Ellington. So once he learns the system and and the coaches kind of like his brain, so that's always a good sign. He was the money. He was the best guy at the combine pretty much for the running backs as far as you know overall athletics. And then, I mean, that goes into your whole DE strategy of, of trying to draft guys with upside. So instead of paying, you know, sticker price for what has been a volatile position in fantasy the last couple of years in running back, you can right. feel comfortable paying close to sticker price or sticker price for those more consistent, safer wideouts early, and then hopefully hit it big with those running backs in rounds five to eleven. Correct? Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what, that's what I, I agree. Lance Turbis, the sports betting man, joining us on the show tonight, ladies and gentlemen. And Lance, I know you have some thoughts on this guy because every time we talk about uh, Odell yeah. Beckham Jr. Uh, on the show, you always chime in uh, with uh, with your opinion on Odell Beckham. Some people taking him as the number one receiver. Some people taking him number one overall in drafts. Talk a little bit about what you think 2015 holds for OBJ. Well, I mean, he's... He's heavier than my dreaded, you know, cutoff for weight for receivers. Where like Hilton, Hilton, Hilton isn't in that, but he's so tough. He's impressed me, but that doesn't really factor in. But he, I think he has the potential to be another guy who has a career year as a rookie and then never beats it. But he can, he can get, you know, he can become a steady guy. But I just always, always consider him like a. I always say he's like a Ferrari, where you got to. 
he'll be the guy who sits out, you know, games with little baby injuries versus the because he he might not be able to, you know, be as amazing as he is when he's not fully healthy, and he might decide to just shut it down a week or shut it down two weeks and then come back full speed. But uh, I mean, I he was amazing. He, he blew me away. I nobody could have thought. Nobody was predicting that because his college you know, numbers were good, but they were not nothing that would. There was nothing that said he was going to be this good. And anybody who tells you that's a liar because he wasn't going. You know, he was going in the first round of rookie draft, but he wasn't going. He was like the third receiver almost. He was never the first receiver. So it was a total surprise, and I just think with hamstrings, and now they're saying his other hamstrings a little bit, you know, that's, it, it, they're downplaying it, and I, I, I'm not really worried about it, but all it would take is a little knick-knack injury, and all of a sudden he's missing two games, and now are you getting your value, you know? I don't think he's going to have the targets if Cruz comes back and, like, they're pumping up Randall a little bit, plus they added, you know, Vereen, and I, I love their offense. I'm, I'm hearing good things about Eli. I love picking Eli late, and if he's, he's saying they're, you know, getting more comfortable second year in the system and – uh no, I mean, his upside's huge, but I don't think it's nearly RB. I mean, a running wide receiver one in startup rookie drafts. It's, I mean, a dynasty draft. It's just, that's like wishful thinking. I think he'll he'll be more in the, you know, 8, 9, 10 wide receiver range when it's all said and done. So for you this year in redraft, I mean, would, would you take him in the first round or would he have to fall to you coming back in the second round for you to take back up? Well, I've already taken him uh, in like the mid late uh, first round. You know, he's got he's got so much upside. Why not? You know, if he stays healthy, that'd be incredible. But I just figure I could almost bank on him missing four to five games. Well, he might not, but he I just my gut says that's the type of player he's going to wind up being. So yeah, but he's he's got plenty of potential. If it's a redraft. I'd probably wait till the second round if it's like Vegas. I don't think I'd take him in the first. There's too many just steady Eddie guys with the same upside, like you know, older guys, like even A.J. Green, I I think would compete. Actually, I'd, I'd like to make a bet that Brandon Cooks outperforms Odell Beckham this year. But it'd have to be that open-ended where if a, if an injury happens, the bet's still on because they could both get hurt. But I just think I think uh, Odell Beckham is a little bit too uh, too inflated, too much hype. But for and you think AJ Green will outperform him on a total points basis this year? I'd say it's like uh, a fifty-fifty. I mean, he's going to get AJ Green's going to get the target load, and if Cruz comes back and Randall's decent and Green's decent, I don't think they're going to force it to Odell Beckham. And so, and they're, they're going to want to keep him healthy. So I just don't see, I don't see him getting 12 and 11 and 12 types of targets each game. He'll just get broke. He'll break. Whereas Calvin and AJ Green, they've done it and they've survived. I mean, AJ Green's been nicked up a little bit and he's not young, but I'll take my chances on those guys who are, even if they don't score, they're going to give you sweet numbers. And uh, if they score, it's even like outstanding. But I don't see Eldell Beckham scoring, you know, guaranteed to score. 10 touchdowns he might score eight he might score nine but i don't i mean i can't see him he, he's just something about him makes me worry he's going to be fragile lance you um you've already talked about taking beckham uh in the the second half of the first round in in some of the de's that you've done Given that um, you know these are going on in May and June, are there any sort of trends for 2015 that you've noticed that maybe have uh, taken you by surprise or 
you know, anything that, um, that you don't think is, is going to last or anything that, uh, that you think is going to change over the next two months as we move closer to uh, September? Uh, it's, I mean, that's hard to predict, but I mean, just Calvin falling like all the way to the end of the first and even second and AJ Green falling like to the end of the second, that's just money. I mean, that's, that's like, you're crazy. I mean, if you, they're not washed up at all and they got good systems and they're, they're veterans and they got, they trust their quarterback. Nothing's really changed. It's just, if they stay healthy, just like everybody, if they stay healthy, they're going to be just extremely valuable. Everybody's, I mean, they could totally stick with Dez and they could stick with all the top guys. If they, you know, if they, they have a healthy year, which, you know, that's never a guarantee. But I mean, those are the two guys that it seemed to be falling. Where I'm just like, okay, I'll take them. You know, give me that, give me that, and um, maybe you, you mean like uh, really highly got high high end, you know, top. What, what what kind of trends are you talking about? Well, and then and, and not even not even necessarily with indiv- I mean, if if you see anything with an individual player, um, that's fine. But like if like as far as like tight ends because a lot of the 35 DE people are are people who are either practicing for football guys drafts or practicing for the main event some people might not be familiar with you know how high the tight ends uh, are going have you noticed you know maybe the tight ends going higher or or lower than usual and with um you know the receivers getting pushed up the last couple of years in drafts have you noticed maybe the running backs fall or uh, fall more than they normally have or, I mean, answer C, no, no you, you haven't noticed anything out of the ordinary that this is, you know, what you're seeing right now is sort of what you expected. Yeah, it's pretty much what I expected. I mean, being in Dynasty, you kind of see it all, you know, early. And, I mean, to me, I've been targeting, like, Kelsey uh, or, yeah, Travis Kelsey and uh, – I think he's going to be the, the tight end too this year. And I mean, if things go as I hope, and every and he's fallen like a little bit, like quite a bit later than Jimmy. I mean, not Jimmy, but uh, Gronk, of course. But Jimmy, I mean, I think he's going to beat Jimmy. I think Jimmy's going to be over drafted because you know that whole system is not what he's been in. And if they change the whole system for him, I'd be surprised. And they they added other talent there too, and they've won with that system. So. There's not a real big motivation to just force it to them. So, uh, the thing uh, that, tight end, I mean, I mean, wide receiver. The, I mean, the running backs are always valuable in the first round. They're always there. So, I mean, it's a pretty good blend. You get just the two quarterbacks, Rodgers and Luck, and then there's a big wait. Uh, it's the same. It's pretty. It's pretty consistent with you know how I thought it would go. C.J. Anderson's getting a little going a little early. I think Monty Ball's going to give him a fight, and he might drop down a little bit later on. We're just assuming he's going to run with it, but. That's that's kind of uh, dangerous with a new coach and a motivated younger guy. Or they're not younger; they're about the same age. But I don't know. There's there's some there's a lot of little battles that are going to change. You know, the pecking order of teams that people are just banking on certain guys being the being the RB one or whatever. Where I could see quite a few teams having that switch. Well, let's. I want to talk about one of those little battles, and these guys aren't necessarily battling for carries in Detroit with each other, but I think that they're battling for. ADP, um, you know, who's going to be going higher. And right now it's Amir Abdullah going in the seventh round, mostly uh, that I've seen in, in the FFPC DEs. And Joyke Bell usually goes about a round later. 
what do you, I, I know Detroit, uh, one of the coaches there has already publicly said that he's concerned about Joyke Bell's conditioning and coming off the knee surgery. And I don't know what else he, I think it was Achilles or something age, like that. He yeah, some, age. And uh, I mean, he's just, yards per carry suck. I mean, he's not, he's not nearly elite. He's like totally replaceable. He's just been in a good system and he's gotten a lot of load. But I mean, I could see Abdullah taking quite a bit of that load and, and the receiving part of it. Uh, I don't have any fear of, uh, I forget the other little guy. Um, oh, Theo Riddick. The run- yeah, Riddick. I, don't, I, don't, I think he would have been good if they didn't draft Abdullah, but uh, I, I see Abdullah being the number one target for me in uh, Detroit's backfield. Seventh round, though. I mean, that's a steal for him, isn't it? I mean, he yeah, should be going higher than that. Well, that'll probably change as the time goes by, especially if he, you know, more word of mouth or good reports or preseason, of course, or even just, uh, you know, more practice, the offseason continues. If he, I mean, he's got the learning curve of a rookie, which is always hard, but I don't see that Joyke Bell or Riddick as nearly talented enough to hold him back if he's as talented as they think he is. Lance, you um, I want to I want to talk another strategy question. We're talking with uh, sports betting man Lance Turbis here on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour tonight. Lance, the you talked about the upside that you need on your roster in order to win a contest like Pros versus Joes, where there's only a you know a few dozen teams in it. But in like the main event or the Football Guys Players Championship, you really need to. I mean, there's a certain amount of luck that goes into it, but you really need to be pretty skillful in in who you're getting on your team. Some people say when you handcuff your studs, you're handcuffing your team to be really dominant. Other people say you are if, if you're not drafting your, your guys handcuffs, you're screwing your team over uh, in the event of an injury. Where do you fall uh, on, on the whole handcuffing argument when you get to a national contest like the main or like the FPC? Uh, I'm, I'm down with other people's handcuffs. Uh, and I, and I, as, as, as looking up the, that Rotovia's guy, uh, Siegel, I believe. I'm not sure if I'm saying his last name right yeah, about the, the theory, running back theory guy. Yes. And uh, he was talking, which was impressive because I just randomly ran into the, where he was bringing up like Nassim, uh, Nicholas Taleb's anti-fragile, where it's, it's total gain, you, when you, where you gain by other people, like uh, by basically by injury. If you have other people's backups that are, you know, high-end backups like the, you know, Niall Davis or that young guy they brought in for uh, Washington to get behind Alfred Morris. Matt Jones. Yeah, Matt Jones. I mean, those guys you can get pretty late, and they have, like, extremely high upside. There's a lot of junk running back uh, uh, handcuffs that I wouldn't even care to bother with, but I'd rather, I'd rather, unless you got, like, if you got Jamal Charles, I'd want to have Niall. If I had Forsett, I'd want to have Buck Allen. If I had, uh, you know, if I had Forte, I wouldn't – well, maybe his backups have gotten better, but I used to never want a backup Forte. I used to actually elevate them in my list because you don't have to waste a spot backing them up because, you know, whatever that guy, that Bush guy, Michael Bush, I think, he was worthless. If Even if he got, you know, hurt and he took over, he'd be like, I wouldn't want to start him. But, I mean, right. when you gain from other people's loss, it's like a bigger win. You know, they screwed and you actually get – you know, you didn't get screwed and you get better. So, so I'd rather have other people's backups unless it's just a – just a handful. I wouldn't back up late. Well, Lacey, maybe. But there's a lot of guys I wouldn't even bother backing up. I'd rather just so for go you, after their backups. And they, there's a lot of backups that might earn the you know starting role in, in Cleveland or in uh, a lot of these. A lot of these. I mean, 
a lot of these jobs are up for grabs, a little bit more than people are, are thinking. They're, they're just going with the expert, you know, you know, depth charts. But there's, I see about, you know, a big handful of teams where the RB2s are going to end up being RB1 by week eight, in my opinion. So for, for you, for when it comes to handcuffs, you don't even really look at, I mean, to a certain extent, you look at what running backs you have on your roster as far as handcuffs. But for you, the biggest thing is getting the guys um, that, uh, whether they're your handcuffs or somebody else, but if they're in a you know, decent situation and they do have some talent, I mean, that's really the biggest thing rather than whose team, you know, whatever, whatever team in your league drafts uh, the starter, that's irrelevant. You're just looking for the guys who could, could be good, yeah, whether, it, you know, it, it, they're it's handcuffing like if you got and you got money ball, you're, you're, or I mean, uh, assuming uh, Hillman, you know, ball is better than Hillman, which I would hope, but you'll be cold. I mean, that's like having a, a, like a second rounder added to your team or something. And there's like, get the guys like that could turn into like first, second round type players. And, you know, don't bother with like the David Blue or whatever backing up Foster. He ain't going to come in and be you know, amazing <laughs> or whoever's backing up Forte. They're okay, but they ain't going to be like, they might give you 11 points or something. I mean, yeah, I guess that's steady, but not compared to Forte getting you, you know, 15, 16, you know, or bigger. And there's, there's just the New York Giants are a team that you don't know who's going to be their dominant, you know, running back. You know, there's, there's just a bunch, even like a Tennessee. You know, that's like a coin toss between Sankey and Cobb. You can get them both late and just hope one, you know, dominates. There's, there's quite a few teams like that. It is, is Gurley going to be six, you know, six week on pup? Mason looked real good. I mean, that, those guys you can get, they're like sitting there in like 12, 13, 14th round on these drafts. It's like Trey Mason is shit, you know, that's a great gamble. Well, let's, I, I, let me talk about another, like the situation you're describing. We have an email here from, this is from Nick in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Uh, about the Cleveland running game. He says, uh, hello, sports betting man. I know that Cleveland isn't planning on throwing the ball this year, so how do I handle Crowell, West, and Johnson? Is there one or more that you're targeting in drafts, or is this a situation that you're avoiding? Thank you so much. Thanks for the email, Nick. What about the the Cleveland situation with, with those guys? Because none of those, to me, obviously Crowell is, is being picked first uh, out of those guys, but he's not yeah. really going at a premium. What are you looking at when you look at the Browns running backs? I mean, Crowell, he looked pretty good running the ball. Uh, I can't say he – I mean, he has NFL talent, but, I mean, I, I like West, and I, I actually think Duke Johnson impresses me the most with my eyes, and his stats were plenty good. I think he can be the guy who actually has the highest fantasy points by the end of the year. And you can – I've actually got him all over the place. I got Duke Johnson on my – sheesh, I think seven out of my eight teams maybe, and I'm trying to get West now that it's getting in the later rounds. And I'm going to just hope one of those guys – well, it's a DE league, so I don't have to hope anything. But those, <laughs> I'd rather have those two and let someone else get Crowell. And, uh, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not down on Crowell, but I just don't think he's got, like, anything that makes him dominant where he's going to secure any starter RB1 role. I think that thing's up for grabs. And I think Duke Johnson has the highest chance of uh, – being the guy who gets receptions kicked in, be like a little Ray Rice back when he was younger. You know, that's steady, steady, you know, maybe even four or five catches every once in a while. That, that's just like so comfortable to have guys like that on your team, like Gio Bernard and stuff like that. Ian, plug him in whenever. You could have Crowell, and uh, I'll take the other two and hope uh, one of them is the one that actually emerges. But, 
there's no guarantee any of them are going to be like the dominant shareholder. It could be a little bit of a, of the same as last year with that silly coach. And, and, and you're right. And to your point, none of them might emerge, but if you take Duke Johnson or if you take Terrence West, it's not going to be that big of a hit to you. If nobody emerges, then if you, yeah, and they're all late, they're like, who Cole, cares round. But, but like Isaiah Kroll, you actually do have to pay a, a relative premium to get him because he's the quote unquote starter right now. So that could yeah. hurt you if you take Kroll, but right. it's not going to really hurt you that much if you take West or Johnson. That's why, that's why I'm doing the, the second option. I'm, I'd rather have, you guys can go ahead and get your, your guy and I'll wait a couple rounds to get the other two or eventually. In the draft, yeah, most of these guys that get curled don't don't they'll handcuff them with anybody really quick, so you can just snipe them easy. A stand in uh, Pottstown, PA writes, "Hi Lance, not much is said about Amari Cooper since rookie drafts took place. What kind of 2015 do you see him having as Derek Carr's number one target?" Thank you for the email, Stan. He brings up a good point, uh, Lance. We, I mean, I know on this show we haven't really talked a whole lot of Amari Cooper since the NFL draft for redraft purposes. What are you thinking for him this year? I mean, is, is he the type of guy who could be a top 25 or a top 30 guy? Oh, I love him. I mean, I, uh, I live, you know, right across the bay from Oakland, and uh, it's there's that, that one blurb was all I needed to be happy because uh, they said he looks just like advertised. He's polished. He's a, he's a, he's a film study animal. He's a, he's a professional. He's so young. I mean, he he's like Tim Brown, Tim Brown part two, and Tim Brown went to, like, hell of Pro Bowls, and he was just steady Eddie. He didn't jump high and do all those, you know, fancy catches, but he just steady Eddie. You can, he'll catch everything you get in his area. He does his little tiny moves that, you know, get him that slight space to – he's just a – he's a pro's pro, like Torrey Holt. You know, he's he's got plenty of speed. I mean, they did that re-breakdown against uh, Kevin White, and even like the – you know, where they have the, the combine as the – 20 yards of the 40 and then the second and I think top speeds in the second half and he had a higher top speed than uh, Kevin White and then they said they they redid the tape side by side and it was like a virtual tie and I just think Cooper is just such a pro for such a young guy he's my number one wide receiver this year for rookies and he's got no competition he's got a young quarterback that's going to feed him they're going to develop chemistry that could be a like a long-term excellent combo and, and I mean, with, with Cooper, to, from what I'm hearing from you, it doesn't sound like you're worried about him playing in, shall we say, a less than stellar offense with a somewhat no. unproven quarterback. He's good enough to trump that. No, he knows how to get open. He does all those little subtle moves. He sets people up. He, he knows how to get angles. He, he knows how to box, box out. He almost plays like the tight end, but, but he's just, a pro, I mean, he's the kind of guy you just totally trust. I have no, no fear. Even, even if he could have got drafted by any team in the NFL, and I'd still have him as my number one wide receiver. And he went to Oakland, which is like no comp, so that makes it even higher. Lance, I want to move on and talk about. Uh, I know you uh, you usually don't like to give this information out, but I'm gonna I'm gonna press you tonight. A player All that right. you want to make sure you get on as many uh, teams as possible this year and uh, a player that uh, won't be on any of your teams this year as we uh, move in uh, f further deeper into draft season? Well, I've already drafted 
two two rookie drafts for for a dynasty with you guys, and about eight uh, of those thirty five dollar leagues. And I think I have Kevin Coleman in every league. <laughs> so he's one guy I'm really high on. I got Gio Bernard because I I never really liked Gio Bernard because he was like a really high draft pick, but he's fallen so far that I like him again because he's he's plenty good for fifth round. And those two guys I have, I mean, I have Kelsey all over the place and I have Tevin Coleman all over the place. I mean, just like if they get hurt, I'm, my stomach's going to blow up, <laughs> but not for these little wimp leagues. <laughs> Were you, are you, ta- are you having to take Kelsey in like the third round or fourth round? Or yeah, are, are I've been you... getting him third round just to be safe. Okay. Interesting. And what, what about a player you're avoiding? Well, all those guys that everybody's like assuming is going to be uh, running back one. I'm avoiding C.J. Anderson. I'm avoiding Andre Ellington because uh, I really think David Johnson's going to take that job. I mean, at least take a uh, higher than fifty percent of it. And I'm not a. I, I like Demarco Murray, but Jesus, that's the histor- history behind that workload is just really bad. And plus, okay. he's got Ryan Matthews and Sproles. I mean, I just think he's going to have a big drop off, and they're just. They're drafting him like he's going to be. I mean, Philly does like to give the guy a big workload, but I don't think they brought Ryan in for nothing, and I don't think they kept Sproles. I mean, not kept Sproles, but Sproles does what he does. So if you if, if Demarco Murray gets, you know, seventy percent of last year, maybe he'd be worth worth you know where they're getting where they're drafting him right now. But uh, I mean, I don't really hate all three of those guys, but I just think. They're going too high. They're going way too high for me. Well, and the other thing too is talking about those Eagles running backs. Does isn't there something to be said that um, Demarco Murray is coming off this historic workload? Um, <laughs> and, and and which, by the way, he's been before this season. It's not like he was the pinnacle of health. I mean, I, I, he's not right, exactly. uh, a guy that was hurt, up, but a guy that was hurt a lot. And is Ryan Matthews. So doesn't it say something that Chip Kelly's willing to pay these get both these guys money? I think it could be more of an even split than than anybody is is thinking. Right. And uh, both both those guys could cannibalize each other just to keep each other healthy for sixteen games. I agree. Yeah. I mean that that plus I mean really Chip Kelly doesn't really. I mean he said uh, he said it to uh, I'm drawing a blank the running back that went to Buffalo. Sorry, he's like McCoy. superstar. McCoy. Yeah, McCoy, LaShawn McCoy would. Uh, but, I mean, even back in, like, Oregon, and he, he didn't really, like, super feed it to any particular make a superstar out of guys. He just, it's the system, it's his system, I'm the boss, I'm God. Everybody's going to get what they get, and uh, we're not going to have to force it to DeMarco Murray just because we paid him a lot. And then he's got, you know, Matthews. Is, Matthews actually had a healthy year, and he's always been kind of interesting. And if they do divvy it up, which would keep them both healthy, that's I mean, if they really want to win in the playoffs, you want to have them both healthy. So he's got so much, so many things. They added my man Al Gore and and, and Jordan <laughs> Matthews, and they got and they got a good tight end. There's no reason to like just do one thing. They could do just a total balanced attack where there might be games where Demarco Murray gets like nine points in fantasy, and and maybe he'll get a touchdown. It'll get you know get him up to you know, 15 points or whatever, and that might be, like, a decent game where he, he's not going to get, like, so many carries like last year. And the odds of him breaking down, you know, will be a lot less if he doesn't have such a load. 
if only Reggie Bush would have signed with the Eagles instead of Matthews, and we could have uh, Bush and Al Gore on the same team in Philly. Yeah, <laughs> presidential battle. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Lance, let's uh, let's talk about what's going on uh, around the NFL this past week. I want to kick things off and, and talk about Arian. Really, you know, normally at this time of year, we're talking about what injury he's coming off of, or well, what surgery he's coming off of. He's healthy right now. He played in or participated in all of the voluntary and mandatory workouts uh, that the Texans had. DeMarco Murray was the only running back in the NFL that scored more points per game uh, than Foster last year. So Foster is looking as about as healthy as he's been uh, in, in quite some time. How many are, uh, running backs are you drafting over Foster this year? Uh, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I like Foster. I always have. Uh, I've been burnt by him every time he got hurt. It seems like I had him. But I still have – I mean, he's going about where he should go. He's going right in the early second round or whatever. You know better than I do. But, there's, I mean, there's not – I guess I'd go uh, Pittsburgh's ball and uh, Bell, I mean, Le'Veon Bell and uh, Lacey. I mean, I, I think I'd rather ha- – I think I'd rather have Arian Foster over Forte. I think this, the safety of the same system's a little bit more – uh, I don't know. There's, there's a few more I'm probably missing. I don't have anything. Oh, Charles, Jamal but, Charles. But for you, he's still like a, you know, end of the first, he, early he, second he, he showed nothing that he was slowing down. He's still got great receiving. He's really smooth. Uh, he's like their – I mean, they added uh, Strong, and they bumped up Hopkins. They got rid of the, uh, uh, Andre Johnson, who I love this year. That's another guy I'm really targeting. I mean, he's never played with a good quarterback. Just imagine that. Imagine, I mean, he's already talking about chemistry with Luck being a funny guy. I mean, if if Luck actually likes Andre Johnson, Andre Johnson could be a, I mean, freaking, he could be like top three receiver this year if he really feeds him. He's like a man amongst boys, and he was playing with junk quarterbacks and and everybody guarding him. He's going to be like just a guy over in uh, Indy, and he could just blow up. Nobody's picking him early, and I love him. I pick him in the in like the third round a lot when I don't get Kelsey or fourth round. I love it, but uh, I jumped the track there. <laughs> well, uh, well let, let's uh, let's talk about AJ for a, a little bit here because I think I'm agreeing with everything you're saying that that he's he's never had a quarterback like Luck before, um, and, and in close. that offense he could be really good. But uh, what about the fact that Luck is a good quarterback and good quarterbacks tend to throw it to the guy who's open and there are so many guys – uh, that he can throw open on that team. Allen, Fleener, Moncrief, Hilton. I mean, there's so many guys out there. Are you worried that Johnson is not going to get uh, enough targets to be like a top five, top ten receiver? No, I, I actually think he's going to establish himself as the number one target. I mean, Hilton's going to do his thing, but they want to they want to keep him healthy, and he's a small, frail guy. And he's he's really impressed me. Him and Antonio Brown just blew me away with how tough they were for their size. But I mean that doesn't that's not a guarantee they stay healthy. I mean Brown's got a lot more weight or enough weight that but Hilton's still in that, that skinny man, you know, zone that scares me. Where you know, I'm not too scared Moncrief's kind of like petered away. His his hype chain's kinda of gone, especially when they drafted Dorset, who's like a clone of Hilton. So there's nobody on their team I mean, I know Andre just doesn't run, you know, fast, but He's got like big tight end style where he, he does all those box out and just got good hands and runs crisp patterns. And he's like, 
I think I think he's going to earn Lux trust, and I don't think Fleener or uh, Allen's going to be as good as other people think they're going to be. I think it's going to be Andre Johnson and T.Y. Hilton and maybe a little bit of Forsett and maybe some Fleener and Allen in that order. That's just my guess. And even Gore's a good receiver and a good blocker. Yeah, Gore's another guy too. I forgot about him. He'll be catching passes uh, as well. Uh, keeping it on the uh, the running back tip, uh, I've been asking this pretty much of everybody who's come on the show. Let's talk Dallas Cowboys here. Joseph Randall getting all the first team reps right now while Darren McFadden's had a hammy issue, Ryan Williams having a knee issue, and it's basically been Randall there. Uh, he's probably going to have a, a leg up uh, on everybody else heading into training camp. Going in the sixth round right now of drafts, are you going to have Randall uh, on many of your teams this year, Lance, or is is this backfield situation simply too unsettled to invest a six-round pick into Randall right now? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I mean, I, I was trying to find a reason to hate Randall because he's a weirdo and uh, he hasn't <laughs> done shit and he's running his mouth. And, uh, but, I mean, I pulled up his college numbers like, wow, that's pretty freaking good. He had like a 24-touchdown year with like uh, Oklahoma State or whatever and a, another good year and pretty good, you know, averages and good yards. He carried a pretty good load. But I mean, McFadden, they, they they paid him. They you know they didn't pay him too much, but they paid him enough, and uh, I think. And then I like Ryan Williams. But I just don't trust him to stay healthy. I really think there's a chance that they bring in someone else, you know, within the next month, and sign him, and that makes it even. I mean, I, I'm not willing to bet on Randall. No, I'd rather someone else did, and give me. And even McFadden is still available really late in these these drafts where he was the hype train to be number one. He hasn't touched the field yet. What if he starts practicing and looking better and all of a sudden everybody changes their hype train to him? You'd be screwed with Randall. But I don't know. I don't uh, trust Randall enough at all to invest in him right now. I am with you. I am with you uh, uh, on, on Randall right now. It's just, it's too high. It's too high of a price yeah. uh, to pay. Um, let's okay. Let's talk about this uh, Devonte Parker thing. Expected to miss like two months. Uh, uh, after getting his uh, the same foot that he broke at Louisville, got it repaired again uh, on Friday a week ago today. Um, now, if if it is two months, he'd be back um, basically in in time for August. Like he would just miss all of you know the rest of June and and, and all of July. But uh, Dr. Robert Anderson, who I'm not familiar with, but I guess he did a study that the rehab timeline for this procedure that Parker had done is actually closer to three months than two months. And then he would be back to late August. Now I'm not, I'm just pointing out facts here. Devonte Parker and, and Odell Beckham, both the third wide receiver taken in their respective NFL drafts, both coming in with injuries to start the season, both with a ton of talent are we looking at a at, at and I'm not saying he's going to do what OBJ did, but is he a, a sharky guy that because he's going to slip now a little bit because of this? Are you looking at investing in him because he could actually have a sneaky good fantasy season when he gets back? Yes, definitely. I, I totally. I think he's the alpha male receiver in Miami and. When he came back in college, it was like, boom, like he never left. But his first game back was, like, big. And so it's, as long as he's on the field, uh, if they fix him right, they just re-change his screw out, right? They didn't, like, do major surgery. And Correct. I hate That's foot injuries. That scares me. Yeah, it yeah, scares me because of Julio and how much time he missed. But, I mean, they should have the science down to the point where let him heal up, start training, and 
let him earn that job. But I mean, I like Landry. He does what he does. But I mean, I think Adam. I mean, uh, Parker is extremely talented. He reminds me of AJ a. Green more than any of the other guys, and he's just uh, NFL ready. Like right now, he's got the size, jump, you know, hands. He's, he's. I have no fear, and he's he's so dirt cheap right now. I mean, if once he starts playing, if he starts playing preseason and looking good, he's going to go up the charts so fast. But right now, you can get him like. I think he's available in like most of my league and we're in like the 14th or 12th wow. round, 14th round. It's like, hell yeah, give me that. And just I'll wait. Yeah. If he's, even if he goes pup, I'll wait. Cause he comes back you know, full blast. If he plays the whole season, he's gold. Yeah. He's, he's the, he's the type of guy that can, if you're getting him that late, he, boy, he could really, really uh, carry your team. His, his fellow uh, rookie wide receiver, Brashad Perriman, has been impressing his new offensive coordinator, Mark Tressman, who had a lot of glowing uh, statements that he made about Perriman this week. Uh, members of the Baltimore media uh, are saying that Perriman has been a standout of OTAs, catching everything, which is good considering one of the knocks on him was that he dropped too many catchable passes at Central Florida. Probably going to be starting alongside Steve Smith in a pass-happy offense. Lance, it it might be you know everybody is is feeling good about everybody at this point of the season when we're reading stuff, but Perriman maybe he should be going higher in drafts given that he could offer you some pretty good redraft value immediately. Yeah, I got him a bunch of places and I got him in my dynasty draft too. Uh, easy, I mean that's there was there was only a few like super good landing spots and he got one of them with Tressman and Baltimore having no real. I mean, I love Steve Smith, but he's getting old, and they're going to have to conserve him a little bit if, they, if they're planning on playoffs. So Perriman and Max and maybe Pitta come back, and I think I think he's got the chance to be their best receiver really fast. Uh, if, if he clicks with, with Flacco, I mean, he, he's got the size. He's got the, he looks like he's durable. He's look, he looks like he's 35 years old. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> He can, he can do everything. I mean, he, he, I don't. I don't worry. If you run routes that are good and you can jump and catch, if you miss, you know, that's usually just concentration. That I don't, he's not going to turn out to be Greg Little or something. Uh, I think he's actually really talented. And the way he ran that forty on the pro day or whatever, I, just, I was like, wow, that just looks so pretty. He's got a beautiful stride, really well balanced. It's like, just like a prototypical, you know, Madden athlete that you create. He's. I have I have very high hopes for him. Madden athlete, but maybe you give him a little bit more hair when you're creating him. Yeah, or just cut him all off. He's got like predator. <laughs> somebody needs to tell him he's, he's got to get rid of it. It's just it's not a good. He's look. got the he's got to bring back the do rag. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, or get the LeBron headband going to cover up that hairline. Yeah. Um, oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> Uh, Joe, uh, Lance, you'll appreciate this one. Joe Viscaglia, maybe you won't, I don't know. Bill's insider, uh, says, uh, I think he tweeted this out, uh, on Matt Castle's performance, uh, Wednesday's practice this week. Woof was what he said. Uh, Castle is touch timing accuracy all off. According to Viscaglia quarterback is still a train wreck for Buffalo with EJ Manuel Castle and, uh, Tyrod Taylor battling it out there. I got to think that the quarterback affects a lot uh, of the offense, not just the receivers, but the tight end and the running backs at all. Are you downgrading LaShawn McCoy at all based on the poor quarterback play? You have to. I mean, you, you just have to. If, if I mean, they get, Buffalo's got a killer D, so that could help a little bit. I mean, that team is so good if they had a quarterback. I mean, I like, I like 
Percy Harvin. I like. I think Robert Woods. Everybody talks shit about USC guys. I think Marquise Lee is super talented, and I and I love Al Gore. And I like. I even like Robert Woods to be. You know, he's just a sure-handed, crisp route runner, kind of like uh, Stevie Johnson. And if they had a quarterback, geez, they could actually be dangerous. But uh, without one, that whole team gets downgraded. There, there's nobody really I really want to go after. I guess. I have Harvin a little bit, but because he's cheap and he's so ex- exciting. But I, I don't really want to pay for Buffalo players. That just ruins their whole team. And when Manuel and is it Manuel and Castle are like top two, and neither one looks good, that sucks. Right. You're not going to get a new good quarterback at the last second. You're you're pretty much done. <laughs> Your whole year is already done. They're not going to turn into good players. You know, right now it's too late. Now I'm with you, man. I'm, I I I would say I probably don't uh, get Lashawn McCoy uh, on a whole lot of teams this year, just because uh, you know of that uh, fact. Um, we have about. I want to hit up on some emails here before we uh, sign off for the night. Um, Charles in Boca Raton, Florida, is Latavius Murray a shark pick this year, or will the people who drafted Helu later be much happier? Have a great weekend. Thanks, Charles. Davis Murray to me, Lance, I thought he'd be getting drafted higher than he is, but he's being drafted as as like the you know 25th running back off the board, or sometimes some some cases like the 30th running back off the board. I think he should be higher, don't you? No, I think people have the same gut feeling I do that he he's a uh, very unproven, he's injury prone. I mean, he's got <laughs> Helu and Trent Richardson are both potentially better than him. And everybody just keeps talking. He's fast. He's fast. Well, the same thing happened with, like, Doug Martin. He had that one big run against Oakland. I mean, you look at uh, – you, you take away, like, one run by Murray, and he turns into, like, Joe, not Joe Blow, but, like, it loses a lot of his luster. And I know the coaches are talking a little bit because, I mean, he's young, he's big, he's, like, tall, and he's fast. But his college numbers weren't outstanding. Hilu and Trent Richardson both – have better pedigree, I think, and nobody's talking about him. So you could have Latavius Murray all day. I'll take I'll take T. Rich in the freaking seventeenth, eighteenth round, wherever he's going now. And and once because once T. Rich hype train starts, it's too late. And he looks just <laughs> he's from Danville. It's like right down the street from up to up the street from Oakland. And uh, he feels he's kind of he's pretty young still, and he's got good hands. And he was the fastest running back in his class. Uh, like those, you know, cone drills and even the 40. I mean, he, people write him off, but he was behind Alfred Morris who, was, who held him off. I don't think Latavius Murray can hold him off. I, I have no faith in Murray at all. Interesting. Okay, well, maybe he is going at the right spot uh, in, dra- in drafts. I want to switch all the way from Oakland to the other coast and talk, and I think I know how you're going to answer this question about Geno Smith and the Jets, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> this is from Dale in Boston, Mass., once again, Gino is being Gino in OTAs. Can I safely write off drafting Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, and Jason Morrow right now, or am I being too hasty in my judgment? Thanks, guys. That's Dale in Boston, Mass. Thanks for the email. Lance, we, we talked about how the poor quarterback play uh, has you downgrading the rest of the Bills skills players. I think you got to apply that logic to Gino Smith as well and, and downgrade uh, Marshall, Decker, and, and Amaro too. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think I have very many Jets on my teams at all. I actually dished uh, Ivory. Uh, you know, I traded him away in like really early in the rookie draft or you know, off season. I don't want a piece of that team. I mean, 
their new coach is like, okay, he might do something with it. But I like Brandon Marshall. He's so talented. I mean, I'll take him, but if, he's got to fall a lot. I, I don't – I mean, I don't think – you can't feed Decker and Marshall and Amaro, no way, unless you've got a decent team. And I just – I don't like the running backs. I don't like the quarterback. I don't like their coaching. I mean, I don't like the division. I, I, I don't want the Jets. You can have them. <laughs> um i want to see maybe we can squeeze in two more emails i want to this is one that i really wanted to get to to get your take on this alex smith jeremy macklin thing this is from jesse in fort myers florida i've heard the argument that alex smith simply refuses to throw the ball down the field uh because he never had a receiver like macklin i've also heard the argument it's because uh smith has excuse me i totally butchered this i've heard the argument that alex smith simply refuses to throw the ball down the field i've also heard the argument it's because smith has never had a receiver like jeremy macklin before so which is it fellas the chicken or the egg thank you jesse what are you what are you envisioning the uh alex smith to jeremy macklin combo uh this year is kelsey just gonna uh, take most of the targets, and and Macklin is is just not going to be the field stretcher uh, that that the Chiefs are hoping he could be. Or is Smith actually going to pipe the ball down the field and open up that offense a little bit more? I'm trying to rewind my memory of when Alex Smith was in Oakland. I mean, uh, San Francisco, and he he really didn't have any burners. I mean, Crabtree was slow. Vernon Davis was like their fastest player. Uh, all the other receivers were just junk in his whole beginning of his career. He really, I mean, if you go back and look, they were just garbage. Garbage coordinators, garbage receivers. I mean, I could see – I mean, I'm not really – I haven't picked Macklin just because I, I don't really want to – last year kind of ruined it for me. But, I mean, he's nothing like uh, – what's his name? That big guy of oh, doing bow. Yeah, I mean, I like – I like Macklin's got talent. He's fast. If, if Alex Smith just gets rid of the ball a little quicker, then he can run under it. You know, it doesn't have to go so far if he releases it quicker. And, yeah, I think Alex Smith is just a professional quarterback. He's, like, serviceable. You know, I have actually picked him as, like, my quarterback, too, and when I'm waiting on quarterbacks, just I love – I mean, their, their coach is still pretty offensive-minded, and they got enough – I like uh, – uh, uh, I'm forgetting his name, Alfred – that little, he's a little guy on the outside. I think he's going to win a wide receiver. Oh, Albert, Albert Wilson. Yeah, that's it. And uh, and then they got Kelsey, and they got Jamal Charles to worry about, and they're going to bring in Nile Davis. I mean, they're 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 like a sneaky, boring, interesting team. They're they're not they're not boring enough to not keep an eye on. Uh, I I kind of like. There's going to be somebody that emerges that's going to be very valuable, and it's probably going to be Macklin and Kelsey. But who knows? Well, of sneaky, boring, and interesting, I would say interesting was uh, the word I would describe this episode tonight, Lance. This was uh, <laughs> quite the treat, hanging out with you for 60 minutes, my friend. I, I learned a lot. See you in Vegas Thanks, uh, this yeah. year. And I might even try to make that tri- uh, trip to that uh, <laughs> Chicago. Oh, and get, jump, jump, on your, jump into your fart train with Ron and, yes. and Gert, the jerk sack and uh, yes. uh, Kurt and everybody. That'd be, I mean, that's in my mind, but uh, you never know what's going to happen. But I don't, I don't plan ahead. It's like next week's like a, a fantasy for me. That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, <laughs> you have an open invitation, my friend. Consider it Yeah, that'd be invitation. so fun. I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, Bobby. Appreciate it. Yep, you bet. Lance, sports betting man, Turbis, ladies and gentlemen. What a pleasure to have him on. 
And I want to thank not only him, but I want to thank Bryce, Rob, uh, excuse me, uh, Castro GTX, FedEx, the FFPC, and uh, all of you for hanging out and listening tonight. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, Dave and I do a show again together. He's back in the studio. We're going to have Pros versus Joe's veteran. And today I was playing in Pros versus Joe's this year, Jamie Joseph. Your weekend starts now. This has been another episode now. of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com that was broadcast live and heard around the world. Eric and Dave will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from a guest much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. I look good, I look good, I look exactly the way you wish you could. I look good, I look good, I look good. Come on. Joe said that I'm the best in the West.